Hi, and welcome to the Postal Affairs Podcast, your source for the latest news on postal and mailing solutions, featuring your host, Alex Marcia, and Director of Postal Affairs, Bob Schimmick. Welcome to our Quadian Postal Affairs Podcast. This is a recording for the week of November 12th. This is your host, Alex Marcia, and I'm here with our Postal Affairs Director, Bob Schimmick. Hi, Bob. Hey. How are you doing? I am doing well. Are you living and breathing the price changes? <laughs> yes, yes, uh, def- definitely so. Um, yeah, that's, this is something that we are continuing to watch very closely. Um, I know we've we've covered some of the details in, in previous podcasts, but uh, yeah, just a reminder for everyone that we do have the price change coming down the road here. The effective date is January 27th is when we expect the price change to go into effect, mm-hmm. but we're we're still waiting. Really, the kind of the next step in the process that we're watching is that the PRC, which is the Postal Regulatory Commission, needs to come back with their decision as far as whether or not the price change, both market dominant and competitive, is complies with the requirements of of the law. And we do expect those to be coming out very, very soon. So that's kind of going to be the next step in the process. Assuming we get the thumbs up there, I would say at that point, then um, things are, are, are quickly moving towards implementation on January 27th. Great. Thank you for that update, Bob. So we know that uh, the elections just happened, and I'm sure things might be changing. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how this might, might affect postal, is there any at all? Yes, and yeah, so obviously we, we just came off of the recent elections, and there there's a couple of things that are worth talking about with, with this election. Um, the first one, um, which is notable, is the fact that the Senate did not change hands, and I think from a postal perspective, you know, again, looking at this purely from a postal perspective, I'm sure everyone has their own opinions, but from a postal perspective, I would say that this is a good thing from the standpoint that um, the Senate is the organization that's responsible for vetting and approving postal governor nominees. So as we've talked about, we've got two seated board of governors, but there's also been three more that have been teed up. And so with the Senate continuing to stay in Republican hands, um, I think it is very likely that Trump will be able to continue to get uh, nominees for uh, various positions move through. And we can continue to be hopeful that the three additional Board of Governor nominees that should be able to continue to move through the process without any obstacles. Now, the other thing that is very interesting about uh, this election is, the House did or is going to be switching over to Democratic control, which is interesting because it sets up the same environment that happened back in 2006 when the Postal Accountability and Enhancement Act was actually passed and became law. What happened was they had a midterm election. Um, the Republicans, at, you know, prior to the election, had control of both the Senate and the House. Bush was president, if I'm remembering right, and um, so they had control. Well, then in the midterms, Democrats took over the House, which means they're going to have a split Congress, and there was a lot of concern about them essentially 
Congress is going to be deadlocked for the next two years, and anything of meaningful reform is not going to be able to get through because essentially both sides are going to be doing everything they can to make sure that the Democrats and or the Republicans have nothing to claim as a victory as they hand it, as we head into the presidential election that is just now two years out. And so what ended up happening then is in the lame duck session that was still all Republican at the time, they pushed through PAEA. It passed on December 26th, right before the Congress recessed in the night. And this kind of sets up that same situation to happen again, that, you know, if there is a push to try and get some sort of postal reform pushed through, I would argue that it's going to happen in lame duck or it's not going to happen for the next two years because Congress is just going to be deadlocked for the next two years and, they're, and the two different parties are just going to be fighting with each other. Uh, and, and it is very unlikely that there's going to be any type of collaboration that's going to occur around postal issues. So it's kind of another now or ne never issue, which we'll continue to watch, but also is kind of scary. And then the other thing is, now that we are officially past the midterm elections, is that um, one of the th we still have that presidential task force report that has yet to been to be made public, but Trump had noted that he intends to make it public after the midterm elections. While we're past them, we're going to have to see how quickly after the midterm elections that that report or at least some part of that report becomes public, because that's also going to be uh, something that could potentially drive some postal reform and maybe some very fast postal reform that could happen yet this year in lame duck. So all very, very interesting things coming out of uh, what may have seemed you know, a relatively innocuous uh, <laughs> election from, from a postal perspective. There, there, you know, there's, there's always lots of different uh, speculation going on about uh, political issues, but uh, from a postal perspective, it, it is also very intriguing. Yeah, for sure. So our next topic has to do with the OIG. So I hear that the OIG audit looks at Postal Service operational savings and that you may have some of the information for us today. Yes. So this is an, an, an interesting report um, and actually goes back a couple of years. And, and so if we go back to 2015, uh, for those that remember, remember that many years back, uh, the Postal Service actually ended up making some changes to service standards. Probably the biggest change that a lot of people probably remember is the fact that uh, at that point in time, the Postal Service eliminated overnight service of first-class mail for, for single-piece rate mail. And, and also, at that same time, um, I would say has slightly lesser impact but it also moves some mail volume from a two-day service window to a three-day service window. So essentially, overnight uh, uh, delivery standards were removed and, and, there, and, a few, and certain areas had a little bit of a relax of that. And you know, the overall goal for this and the reason that when this was rolled out to the mailing industry, uh, was the operational savings that were would be able to be saved by making those changes. And actually it was referred to as the OWC change, which is the operational window change. Uh, this was also uh, referred to in the mailing industry as the 24 hour operational clock. I know that the Postal Service did a lot of discussions about uh, how there, 
we'd be able to capture a whole bunch of savings by better able to utilize uh, their equipment by being able to run it longer by essentially essentially eliminating the deadlines that they had with the overnight mail service that would require them to essentially cut off processing at specific times to get the mail moved where now they'd be able to run it run the machines for a longer period of time and make it more efficient for them wow so uh, didn't the postal service predict the change would save them around $105 million each year around this? Yes, yeah, the Postal Service, when they initially rolled it out, you know, again, this goes back to 2015, said that they were expecting to capture around $800 million in savings each year from making this change. So, you know, it was a fairly dramatic change in terms of service, but, you know, the Postal Service is also predicting that there is gonna be an equally dramatic change in the savings that would occur. And right. so I think that was helped to be a, a significant selling point for the mailing industry to say, okay, we can we can uh, make the necessary changes to align with the new service standards and, and make sure that we're still able to meet the needs of, of the mailing industry. Because essentially, you know, what the Postal Service was saying is in the day of digital in the digital world that we live in now even back in 2015 if you had a message that really needed to get sent and be there by the next day uh, how many people were really using overnight uh, mail overnight mail to do that versus just sending an email and plus if they really wanted to and it was that critical you can get that overnight service with priority mail express so uh, that, that's, that's essentially the approach that they took. So, so can, can I ask you something? So if, if it was 105 million each year, do we have any approximates of how, how much it actually is? Yes, and that's part of what this OIG report is. So now let's, let's dive into those details. Um, so, the pulse, so what the OIG did was looked at fiscal year 2016 and 2017. So the operational change went in in 2015. So 2016, 2017, based on what the Postal Service is saying, is the Postal Service should have saved $1.61 billion on this change. Um, so um, based on that, you know, everyone that's listening to this, I'm, I'm going to take a little pause, but any guesses on what the OIG determined that actual real savings has been because of that operational window change. So think about what number you think that might be. All right, so the actual savings according to the OIG audit was $324 million. Well, yeah. Yeah, 1.6, that's a big difference. 1.61 billion dollars versus- Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. a very sad wow, but yeah. Um, when So there's some interesting data points along the way to also share. So the OIG has determined that since that operational window change was made back in 2015, productivity has fallen 14%. So obviously that's not a good thing. Uh, the Postal Service projected it was going to save $67 million in premium pay savings because part of this operational window change was they were gonna able to move workers from working at night to be able to work during the day shift where they don't have to pay a premium for it. 
So they projected that they're going to save 67 million on that, just the labor savings for premium pay. The OIG verified that only 54, sorry, the OIG verified that only 15.4 million in savings actually occurred in 2016, and they were also not able to verify, they were not able to get accurate data for 2017 data. Um, so they, they didn't even come up with a number of what it was for 2017. Also, wow. they noted that during the same time, overtime costs went up 68.4 million since the operational window change went into effect. So not only did they not save the 67 million, they only saved 15 and a half million, but oh, by the way, overtime costs also shot up more than even the predicted savings from 67 million overtime went up to 68 million. So uh, definitely <laughs> something that headed in the wrong direction there. Now, <coughs> sorry about that. One of the other things that the Postal Service estimated was that they would see 268 million annually in transportation savings from the network changes. And one of the things that the OIG audit determined was that these costs, instead of saving 268 million, these costs have increased by over a billion dollars since the operation, operational window change went into effect. Um, one of the things to note here is the Postal Service is saying that that increase in transportation was due to the increase in package volume and was not a result of the operational window change. But at the same time, they couldn't attribute what savings in the operational window change actually occurred. <coughs> so um, next, uh, the Postal Service projected 430 million in cost avoided by the creation of additional facility space. So essentially what they were predicting here was that by being able to run the machines longer, they would need fewer of them. They could get rid of some of the older machines, clear up some space, and that there would be some, some net savings from that. And during the OIG audit, they were able to identify of the 430 million that was projected, uh, they were able to verify only 233 million of that projected savings. So the the question of the day, <laughs> what does the Postal Service think of this report? Well, you know, obviously, <laughs> as we walk through it, it's anything but a good news report. Um, so uh, Postal Service management has responded to the audit, noting that the business changes that have occurred since the operational window change occurred has made it impossible to correlate the savings back to that one specific event. Just basically too many other things have changed so um, there's just no way to to figure it out. And they also noted that based on that management will no longer be attempting to attribute savings against the operational window change that took place back in 2015. So it's kind of, uh, you know, I would say it was not, obviously not a great report and the Postal Service is essentially saying, we're closing the door on this and and we're not gonna talk about it anymore. Yeah, for sure. Um, so our next topic has to do with President Trump 
who signed the STOP Act, which is the Synthetics Trafficking and Opioids Prevention Act. Um, Bob, do you want to share some facts with us? Sure, yes. And, you know, this is, again, just uh, an important thing to talk about. Um, it was officially signed into law uh, back in October 24th, so it's a relatively recent change. And one of the things that this is going to do is it's going to require the Postal Service to collect was referred to as AED, which is Advanced Electronic Data, on packages entering the country. And so this Advanced Electronic Data um, includes information like uh, who the sender is, where the package is being destined, and also uh, content information, what is in the package. And so with this being now officially passed into law uh, by the end of this year, so very quickly now, the Postal Service must provide this AED, uh, Advanced Electronic Data, on 70% of all the shipments that are coming into the United States. <coughs> and then I, um, it also further requires the Postal Service by, by 2021, so got a little bit of time here, but by 2021, the Postal Service must provide AED on 100% of all the shipments coming into the United States. And, you know, obviously the goal here is to prevent illegal drugs from coming into the United States. Um, I know it's been a hot topic and in the news. And if the Postal Service does fail to comply, um, it could result in civil uh, civil penalties being uh, levied against the Postal Service. So it does have some uh, fairly serious consequences if the Postal Service is not able to uh, meet the, the requirements of the law. Now, with all that said, the other thing we need to keep in mind is and, and point out is that um, the Postal Service con competitors, um, you know, the, the ones that you're probably familiar with, UPS, DHL, already have this requirement in place where they have to provide this AED on 100% of all the packages that they're bringing into the United States. What happened is, is when that went into effect, the Postal Service was given an exemption where they did not have to comply with that new requirement that was put into place. And that it's that exemption that then opened the door for the Postal Service to essentially be I guess lack of a better term, exploited by uh, using the Postal Service as the provider for getting these illegal drugs in the United States by not providing the necessary AED information. So really this is going to help close the loophole that um, was created when the original law went into place to say, hey, all packages coming in the United States have to have electronic data associated with it. Well, thank you for the update, Bob. So. Our last story, it's in regards to a huge industry consolidation that was just announced. So what about you tell us a little bit about that, Bob? <laughs> yeah, so that, you know, the one, the one constant is change, isn't it? So if it isn't possible, oh, yes. it's on the industry <laughs> side as well. Um, yes. so, so yeah, it was recently announced that Quad, Quad Graphics is going to be acquiring LSC. LSC stands for Lakeshore Communications. Um, and for those that may or may not remember, LSC actually came about, uh, was created a couple of years back when R.R. Donnelly 
actually split itself into three parts, where one of those three parts became this LSC, Lakeshore Communications. And so um, Donnelly split into three. The companies have been running as three separate entities for a couple of years now. And, and now one of the, that one portion of it is being acquired by Quad Graphics. And so what's interesting is that both Quad if you look at Quad Graphic and LSC, they are the two largest magazine printers. So the, the, the value of this deal is uh, estimated at $1.4 billion. So that is obviously a huge consolidation. And one other thing that's interesting is if you look, if we looked at 2018 and we took the two companies revenue for the first three quarters of 2018. So, you know, we're, we're granted we're in November now, but if you just go for the first nine months of 2018, the combined revenue of these two companies is $8 billion. Wow. <laughs> there, there are a lot of revenue there. So that is, this is going to be um, a very large, uh, very large consolidated company. One of the other things that was noted is that um, as a part of this acquisition, there will likely be some plant closures. I, I know uh, many are familiar that uh, when usually when uh, a, a printing company acquires another comp another printing company, um, it's not unusual for a plant to, to be closed and, and printing operations to be consolidated. Quad Graphics noted that business efficiency changes should amount to around 135 million in savings in less than two years. And <clears throat> this might be mean, but I'm going to go out on record and say that unlike the Postal Service, I would bet that Quad Graphics will actually achieve those projected savings. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least they're trying to, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, um, and with that, we'll wrap up this episode here. Our next episode will be on the week of November 26th. Uh, if you'd like for us to cover a specific topic or if you have questions, please email us at postalaffairsaquadient.com. Again, that is postalaffairsaquadient.com. You can find this recording uh, on iTunes as well as Stitcher. Um, so please stay tuned. Bob, thank you so much for today's update. I'm sure we'll have more to talk about during our next episode <laughs> and to all of our listeners thank you once again for tuning into the post Affairs podcast we'll talk to you soon all right talk to you later bye Bob bye, bye.